Today on the Misha All Access Podcast, we're going to be talking about another of our spring sport championships, and that is boys tennis. Joining me today is Kenny Seifert, the assistant executive director in charge of boys tennis. Welcome. Glad to be here. We hit the spring hard. (laughs) Quick, too. (laughs) Yes. uh, We were kind of on top of each other with our spring championships. Boys Tennis Championship is actually a two-weekend affair, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And it is, it's not alone. Other championships happen at the same time as boys tennis. So boys tennis is a spring sport. We had girls tennis in the fall. And uh, tell us a little bit about the schedule of those championships. When are the boys tennis championships? Well, the first thing let's talk about is is the uniqueness of tennis with our association. Uh, It is the one sport where we actually have two separate postseasons. We have an individual postseason tournament for the individual tennis players, and then we have a team postseason tournament uh, for the teams. The individual tournament is, is the first tournament that we run. Their championships is May 18th through the 20th, and then the next weekend is when the teams that qualified come in, and their championships are from the 25th to the 27th of May. And where are those championships? Springfield, Missouri, Cooper Tennis Complex, which is uh, one of the most impressive tennis complexes probably in a 10-state area. Uh, We're very fortunate to have their facility. They have 16 outdoor courts. They have 12 indoor courts. Usually we'll have access to 8 or 10 of those indoor courts. The beautiful thing about that is is if the weather is good, we can really get through the tournament in, in a timely fashion. But if the weather is not so good, which happens sometimes in the spring and the fall in tennis, they will provide us with enough indoor courts and we do a little adjustment on our scoring that we're able to still get through the day and, and, and make it a good experience for the kids. How many classes are in our in boys tennis? We have three classes, class one, two, and three. Class one is the one that has the most number of teams in it. Two and three are about balanced. And Kenny, you alluded to the fact that it's an individual sport with two separate tournaments. We've tried to educate through the podcast about each of our sports and how individual sports have just a little bit different look than team sports, and they have a little bit different look than every other individual sport. The sports of tennis, boys and girls tennis, are our only individual sports where, though in every sport we have a team champion and individual champions or or placed champions, in tennis we run separate tournaments. Correct. Let's talk individual singles and doubles tournament to begin with. There's actually two tournaments there, too, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have the individual singles and doubles tournaments. Talk, talk about how that's structured. So on the individual side, uh, what you're going to have is, is basically a bracket like you would in any other individual sport. You're going to have, uh, you're gonna have the, your entried athletes. They are going to get seated onto a bracket. Let's say it's a 16-spot bracket. And winners are going to advance, and losers are not going to advance, and you're going to end up with a district champion and a district runner-up, and then they're going to advance to the next round in some of our classes. So that's kind of how it works on on the individual side. Okay, and then the team side, completely separate, separate days, separate style. Tell us about team tennis. So in team tennis, you are one of, in in this case, six, you're one of six players on your team that is going to play in the team tennis tournament and that the the team format is going to be the same format that you play during the season you're going to play six singles matches one through six and then you're going to have three doubles teams the first team that reaches five victories combination of the the singles and the doubles is going to be the team that advances to the next round okay so i'm going to compare it a little bit to two other individual sports in the sport of wrestling during the regular season we have two different kinds of events going on we have individual tournaments and we have wrestling 
duels. Now, we can call them tries and quads, but all that comes down to the two teams are wrestling each other. For team points. For team points. But at the end, everything that happens in our championships in the state of Missouri, it is an individual tournament, and your individual success contributes to team points, and then the state champion team is determined by those team points. So there's wrestling. Let's look at swimming and diving. In swimming and diving, we can have duels where we have two teams dueling each other in swimming and diving. However, it's just all individuals, and we're doing team points just like we do at the end. But in the championships, it's individual qualification only, individual competition, just like wrestling. We're looking at team points accumulated through individual competition. Correct. In tennis, that doesn't happen. That's not the case. That's not the case. So, again, that's a state of Missouri thing. There are other states that would have something similar. There are also other states who have individual wrestling champions and team wrestling champions where those teams are determined by a team bracketed tournament. If I'm not mistaken, I think maybe Iowa does that. They have an individual state wrestling championships, and then the next week is the team wrestling state championships. So for Missouri, in tennis, we do this individual and team, and we run three classes in both weekends. Correct. Individual singles, individual doubles. So singles and doubles happened before. So our teams have qualified prior to individual singles and doubles? No. No? They actually, they flip-flop. So so we will start our individual districts. Then we'll hit a stretch early in the next week where we will start playing our team districts. Then the next weekend, we're playing our individual sectionals. And then a little bit later, we play our team sectionals before we advance, whether it be the teams or the individuals, to the next round. So what's unique about that is, you know, you could have a, a really high-level tennis player on the individual side that, let's say, that they, they win districts, they win their sectionals, and, and they advance the state. And, of course, their team is really good. So they may play as an individual in the individual state tournament. They may play, uh, for their obviously, for their team on the team state side. We could also have an individual who is placed in the districts in the individual tournament, gets knocked out pretty early in that individual tournament. So their individual postseason tournament is now finished. They are no longer advancing. But they're playing on a pretty good team. And maybe they're the number four, number five, or number six player on their team. But their team starts advancing. So this individual may play, let's say that they play on the, they're the number five singles player, and they are the, on the number three doubles team. But their team wins districts, and they advance to sectionals, and then they win sectionals, and they advance to state. So this particular individual did not go to state as an individual competition athlete, but they will be on their t- on the team, even though they got knocked out of the individual districts earlier in the, in the postseason. And each school has a limited number of tennis players they can enter in the individual tournaments. Correct. Two singles and two doubles. That's the maximum number. So coaches have to make decisions on where they're going to place their athletes, whether they put you know two really good players on a doubles team to give them a better chance to advance through the postseason or leave them in the single slot. There's, there's maneuvering that the coaches have to figure out what's best for their kids. Yeah. So you mentioned if we have weather, we're going to go to the, the final site. You say, well, if we have weather and we need to move our, our matches inside, we can adjust our scoring. I don't think there's any other sport in, in our association where we can adjust the scoring in our championship. Right. We, we have some rules about when you can adjust that scoring, but we have access to multiple scoring opportunities in tennis that we can use based on a certain number of factors. So what would be the standard scoring? I would say for the most part, the standard scoring across the board is going to be two out of three, no ad scoring. For those of you who've watched <laughs> Wimbledon or the French Open or the Australian Open or U.S. Open, and you watched it a little bit, you've heard 
Advantage Agassi or right. Advantage, you know, ad means advantage. So it's the way you break a tie in a tennis game. Right. Game, set, match. So in a tennis game, we're going to try to break that tie. you got to win by two. That, that, that's the whole key. I mean, that's the whole idea. You can get confused on the scoring, but just think along these lines. When you have ad, you're going to have to win by two points in that game. If you have no ad, it's just the first one to get to, in this case, that magic number. You just have to win by one, but you have to be the first one that gets there. Is that what's standard Best two of three, no ad, no ad. In, in our state championships? Yeah, and probably even added to that, we made this change last year, and we really liked the change, but we used to play the two out of three full sets all the way out. We have now gone to what is called match tie break in lieu of the third set. So when you get to that third set, and let's say that you're playing no ad, but you've got a real competitive match, that match can go on a really, really long time. The uh, tie break match in lieu of the third set basically means we're going to go to 10. The first one of us that gets the 10, it's over with. We don't have to play a full third set, which really minimizes the time the athletes are on the court, especially on that first day when they could play multiple matches in the same day. Okay. What are some other options we have? Let's say the weather's terrible in Springfield. Mm-hmm. We've got to get through our first you know, first two rounds of our, of our bracket in one day. What might we change to? We could go to an eight-game pro set. And then after that, you can actually start out the the match at 2-2 and score from there. That's when you really get down to the nitty-gritty. And what's unique about that is we have the ability to change that scoring, not just for the whole day. We have the ability to change that scoring by round. Here's an example. Let's say that we show up on Friday morning and it's rained all through the night, Thursday night, and there are forecasts 100% chance of rain all day on Friday. Obviously, we're going to shrink that scoring down. We're going to reduce it to give us an opportunity to get through the day without being there until 10 or 11 o'clock at night and those athletes being really tired before they come back the next day. But let's change the weather scenario. Maybe we had a little rain through the night. So at 9 o'clock in the morning when we want to start playing, the courts are wet and we cannot play on it. So we adjust the scoring. We lower it. And as we're going through the first round on all of our indoor courts, the sun comes out, the breeze picks up, and by noon – the courts are dry, 16 outdoor courts versus playing on 8 or 10 indoor courts. When we get to the end of a particular round and everybody has played one round under that scoring situation, we then can add scoring back, okay? Maybe we leave the eight-game pro set and we go back to two out of three, no-add scoring match tiebreak in lieu of the third set and play out the rest of the day under that scoring format, which for some athletes that would be, for some players that would be one more round, but for others, that could possibly be, mean two more rounds that day under a different scoring format. And we're going to keep those rules by tournament. So you could have, let's say, Class 1 starts early. They're under adjusted scoring. Class 2 gets to start outside. Show up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and they're in a completely different scoring situation. Right. As long as we are consistent by round and by classification – and by tournament, essentially by tournament is what exactly. we're talking about, we can adjust that scoring. It, very unique. In it is very unique. Tennis. And, you know, it, and there's no loudspeaker <laughs> at, <laughs> at Cooper. There's no, there's no, we, we do all this. It's very analog. Exactly. Tennis is very analog. We all get together and Kenny gives us some announcements and yep. then we go out and play. Again, very different than all of our other uh, championships. So let's talk about the atmosphere. Let's say we're outside. What's the atmosphere at tennis? Do we have thousands of people come watch? What, what's, the, what's the feel? I mean, obviously, we don't have thousands. You're going to have a lot of parents, and you're going to have a lot of grandparents. 
that's what you're going to see mostly of. And they're going to follow their children around wherever they're playing, and then they're, they're going to leave with them at lunch. I mean, they're, all, they're kind of as more of a family unit, especially on the individual side. The team weekend, you're going to have some more team there. I mean, the team's going to come and go. But on the individual side, player from School A may play at 9 o'clock in the morning. Another player from School A may not play till 11.15. And so their, their whole day is different. So we just kind of we, we get through the process like that, but 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 no, there are not, there are not going to be a thousand people there. There are going to be, you know, twenty five to maybe eighty five people watching a match. Depends on what the match is. And the other thing is, even though we do have USTA officials there, USTA tennis official operates in a little bit different capacity than what a basketball, football, or wrestling or soccer official operate under. So not as much controversy. In fact, I'm. I'll go on record to say very, 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 very little controversy because no one's frustrated with the officials. Players call their own, but we do have roving officials that help settle disputes. And then when we get to our individual championship matches, they are chaired, which would be more like a Wimbledon or a U.S. Open that we see where the individual's sitting up in the chair and actually can make judgment calls from that seat. So a little bit different temperament at the tennis championships. It's a very honorable system. Uh, The kids are a lot of fun. A lot of these kids, even though they're from different schools, they know each other because tennis is a very out-of-season sport. They play it in the summertime. The boys play it in the fall. The girls will play it in the spring out of season. So you'll get two kids showing up to play a quarterfinal match, and they're from different schools, but they got their arms around each other because they've known each other for you know five, six, seven years. So that's pretty cool for those kids to have that connection with each other. And at the end of the day, like I mentioned, uh, there just isn't as much controversy. You talked a little bit about the kids call their own, and essentially we're talking lines. They call their own lines. They do that all season long. And then when we get to the championship, if they get to a championship, we have chaired officials. An official shared with me this fall, it's possible that no kid has ever played in a match with a chaired official. Right. They've been calling their own lines since they learned the game. And it, it kind of feels professional when right. you got one in the chair and they're calling the lines. So it's kind of a feature of our tennis championships that make it a little bit more more special, a little elevated. Hey, you're playing the state championship. You may not have thousands watching you. You know, you're, there's there's going to be a crowd around your uh, around your court, but you have a chaired official, a USTA official, and it brings that championship right. feel. <clears throat> yeah, it surfaces the uh, all the emotions that you would normally sense. It it just kind of brings it a little bit higher. And with that said. Uh, we do have th- those matches are chaired, but but the players are still calling their own. They're still calling lines as if they would. However, you have that official there that can kind of maybe guide them a little bit and, and even step in and, and overrule. Uh, that's what they're there for. But they're also there to kind of make sure that the score is not getting lost. Remember, these are young kids. They they play a lot of tennis, and it's uh, you know you can lose track of score a little bit once in a while. So the chaired officials are making sure that the scoring stays on track. So we do not have any errors there. But at the end of the day, the players still call they still call the lines. And if things get a little bit out of balance, the chair umpire will, will reel it back in. The keeping track of score, I get the sense when I'm watching the tennis championships that it, it's not really cool to announce the score every time a serve goes up, even though you're probably supposed to. It's not really cool to do. Right. Now, if you've got spectators who are kind of keeping track, you know, you can kind of follow along. But it's an interesting mix of what you should do and what is is kind of considered, you know, cool in that sport. Exactly. Yep. So we've got, let's see, brackets of 16 yep. in our individual singles and doubles. 
And then we've got final four teams in each class in our team championships. That is correct. And so we're bringing, you know, 16 times three on the individual single side. And then we're going to have two in each of those. So 32 times three in the doubles. So we have a good number of, of students who are there. Yes. Uh, we do have a three-day event for individual singles and doubles because to get each of the classes through it takes that that amount of time and it's kind of an overlapping situation yep we will run two classes thursday and friday morning correct and then the third class yeah. friday afternoon into saturday right and then for a team we can do that in two days is that correct, correct? That yes is correct. so we do yep. our teams in two days and we actually have two of our we restructured it this past year so we have one class that can come in and finish in one day They'll play a morning semifinal. They'll play a, a later afternoon final and third place match. We will have one class that has to play their semifinal match on Friday and then their third place and championship matches on Saturday, basically noon to noon. And then the other class comes in the next day and they will start that morning and finish that afternoon. So two of our three classes can be finished in one day. One class will overlap over the two days. Okay, which harkens back to back when we used to have two classes and we'd do all the team championships in one day. All the team in one day. Yeah, and then two yep. days for individual singles. And event. you know what else is neat is the uh, on the individual side, we play 80 tennis matches on Thursday. We play 72 tennis matches on Friday. But that overlap of two of the classes finishing up, playing their medal rounds, and then the third class coming in and, and starting their tournament, the day actually is a little bit longer, but we're playing less matches simply because the, the last class coming in doesn't have that many. And then on, on the last day, we play 30, 32 matches. So uh, we will play all those matches in a three-day period of time on the individual side. Let's talk about our USTA officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do they come from, and do they always do this? They come from, I will say, all of the states touch our states, but we, we will have Missouri, we will have Kansas, we've had Oklahoma, we'll have Illinois. We have Arkansas. Those are the five states that we have typically got them from because they're not plentiful, just like a lot of other officials. And that's a pretty good time commitment you're asking them to come in and give up three days. Uh, But they come from a little bit of everywhere. And obviously their background is the USTA background. So we have to quickly do a crash course on whatever differences there may be between MISHA and the USTA as far as scoring, rest periods, things of that nature. And we have a a tournament manager. Yes. uh, Who is from Missouri. Yep. And they're kind of our, our USTA expert to help manage the officials and help us know what we're doing on the tennis side. Absolutely. And, and, and becomes the actual, the, the rules interpreter at the tournament. So, so if we have a rules situation at the tournament, and we do occasionally, then the, the, the tournament director, Jeannie Chavez in this case, has been doing it for many, many years and does a great job. She will ultimately rule on the tennis rule of what's going on. Now, if we have a situation that involves more of a MISHA bylaw or a MISHA rule, I would step in in that situation. But, but she, would, she would actually interpret and apply the tennis rules. And who manages the facility during that time? Cooper Tennis Complex. They are unbelievable. They're helpful. They, they get us everything we need all the time. So my communication with them and whatever our needs are, together we manage the facility through the whole process. And the Cooper Tennis Complex is owned by the city of Springfield. And so their Parks and Recreation Group is at the ready. They are kind of the business side right. of everything. And just like all of our championships in Springfield and really any of our venues, they're extremely helpful with whatever it is we need. They are so used to doing what they do. You know, we go down there twice a year, once in the fall and once in the spring, and it's a big deal for us. But it's so comforting when you arrive there, a little bit on pins and needles, a little bit on edge, because you're getting ready to host a pretty important event. 
and they're just calm, cool, and collected. And the reason why is they probably do two of them a month. <laughs> and so us showing up to them is not that big of a deal because they have tournaments all the time. So uh, it's really reassuring to know that they've got your back and there isn't any problem that's going to come up that we can't get through. And we've talked about this a little bit when we were preparing for girl swimming and diving. We put out requests for proposals for our venues, for our championships in almost every sport and activity. Yeah. <laughs> girl swimming and diving, boy swimming and diving. We don't do it in that one because the Recplex in St. Peter's is one of a kind in our state, and it, it is kind of perfectly situated to handle our championships. The other one we don't put out is tennis, boys and girls tennis. Yep. Cooper is, as you said, it's unrivaled in probably yep. 10 states. I, I, I always say it's the cat's meow is what it is. It is the Cadillac of a tennis facility that anyone could ever wish for in their state. There isn't anything like it in Kansas and Arkansas. I mean, many of our Midwest states, when they hear about the facility and how we structure our tournament, their response is there's no way we could do that because we do not have the facility to do it. So not only is it a great facility physically, but it's a great organization, Springfield Parks and Rec in the Greene County area that handles all of that. They just, they're constantly wanting to know what they can do to make things better. And, and, and it just makes it a lot of fun to run our championships. And I know it's, it's special for the kids because they're playing in a special venue. Off the top of your head, how many schools register for boys' tennis? We're going to be right around 190, 185-ish. It kind of depends. It fluctuates a little bit from year to year, but we're usually around that 190 number. So if we've got a, 190 boys registered, we know we're going to get you know four teams in, in three classes. We'll have 12 teams in the team. Right. How many schools generally, or maybe percentage-wise, will be represented at the individual singles and doubles tournament out of that 190? Wow. I'm going to guess we're probably going to have 40% of our schools represented. Okay. Which is is pretty nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah. And and what's really helped that has been class one. Class three, uh, you're not going to have that wide of a range of schools represented through the individual process. But when you get down to class one, you're, you're going to have many schools that has one singles player, one doubles team. So when you spread that out over 16 qualifiers on the singles and the doubles side, you're going to get, get pretty strong representation. And we have a lot of schools who don't have enough for a full team. But as you said, they've got one, two, three kids who are playing tennis. They're playing individual tournaments. Right. They're not able to do a team event, but they have access to participate through our our system, and they have access to the state championships because of that. Right. Absolutely. In fact, I was contacted this morning on the way to work by by a coach who was concerned at this time of the year their their numbers are down. They're down to six players, and he's concerned if they drop down to five, they won't be able to play anymore, play in the postseason, and that's not true. So I informed him that, that as long as you have four or more players still playing, you can play, number one, you can play team contests because that gives you four singles and two doubles teams, and it takes five to win. So that would give you an opportunity to win six matches. So that's still a possibility, and they could be eligible for a postseason. But as long as you have one individual, and they have represented their school a minimum of one time during the regular season, that individual can play in the individual tournament as long as also your team has met the requirements and understanding that as your injuries start to occur and you start to lose kids, you still got to meet that 50% requirement as a team to be represented in the, in the postseason. Okay. We're going to wrap up here soon, but I want to give a little teaser because I think someday in the future we're going to have to talk tennis again, maybe outside of the context of the championships, because there are a lot of little nuances in team tennis and individual tennis 
like the the rank order. The rank uh, order. And how do you how can you set your lineups and what kind of things have to be considered for doubles teams and it's really fascinating and it plays into our championships but we get get into the weeds a little bit and we can have that conversation maybe in the future but anything else you want to say about our tennis championships coming up here at the end of May? The first thing I will say is if if any of you that are listening have an opportunity to come watch, you're going to be amazed at the skill set of some of these kids. My first year that I went down to run the tournament, I was in awe of how hard these kids hit the ball, how quickly they get to the ball, the accuracy with which they put the ball right on the lines or two inches inside of the line and three quarters of an inch above the net just absolutely amazed me. So if you get an opportunity, Come down and watch them. They are athletes that put in time in their craft. They love it. They're passionate about it. They get really, really good at it, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yes, and I've been many times. Uh, I'm a big fan of our tennis championships. And the people that run them, you know, from you, Kennedy, to our USTA officials, uh, to the folks who work at the Cooper Tennis Center, it's a great community. We say this every single time, but especially in our individual sports, you know, if you're not a part of that community, you have no idea it's happening. But if you're inside the community, there's a family feel about Absolutely. it. You talked about the, the competitors knowing each other, but all of the all the adults know each other's too. Sure. Um, yep. There's a, a circuit happening in the off season and these families and these folks, they know each other. And it's a you know, it's 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 cool. It's cool to be around it. It's cool to, to kind of be in the presence of people who are really committed and have gotten really good yep. uh, at what they do. So, well, thank you for, for joining us today and talking through Misha Boys Tennis Championships. Thanks for having me. It's always a joy. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstead, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.